Hi, everybody. Welcome to the CrossFit Games Update Show. I'm Sean Woodland. Hi, everybody. Sean Woodland inside the CrossFit Update Studios. 2011, fittest man on earth. 2012, fittest man on earth. 2013, Rich Froning, the fittest man on earth. In 2014, Rich Froning is the fittest man in history. Smith in a foot race. Are you kidding me? What can this guy do? Business in the front, party in the back, and fitness all over. Justin Medeiros is the fittest man on earth. Welcome to another episode of Just Elite. My name is Christelle, your host, and with me today is the voice of CrossFit, Sean Woodland. Sean, welcome to the show, and thank you so much for joining me. Thank you so much for having me. It's my pleasure to be here. Sean, you've had a very um, rich uh, journey in, in the sport of fitness. You've been voicing the game since 2012, but you, you've been around in the sport since 2007. Tell us how, how you ventured into, into the sport. You're, you know, the first day you walked into a box and felt that hard pain of a CrossFit workout like the rest of us did for the first time. I found CrossFit in 2007, and I was working at a television station in Jacksonville, Florida at the time. And I was, I'd been working out since, I don't know, my teenage years. And I, and I did it basically the way that everybody else did it up to then, where you would go into your gym and you would do Monday was chest day and Tuesday was back and Wednesday was shoulders and Thursday was arms. And maybe you did some legs and maybe you mixed in some cardio. Mm -hmm. And I, at that point in 2007, I had just gotten tired of what I was doing. I was looking for something new. And I worked with a guy in our sports department whose wife was a personal trainer, not even a, a CrossFit trainer, but a, uh, a personal trainer. And he had told me about this thing, CrossFit, that she had started incorporating into her training with her clients and suggested that I look it up and give it a try. And so I, I kind of was like, oh, I don't, that, that sounds kind of weird. It's like one workout a day. I'm not really sure how... Know, what that's all about. So I, I went and I looked on the website and I think the, I, when I looked it up on the website, I think it was like five sets of five back squat. That was a workout of the day. And I went, well, that doesn't seem like it's going to be too hard. So I kind of just ignored it and then eventually came back to it and, and said, okay, I'll give it a try. And so I went in I, I, for some training sessions with uh, his wife, Melissa. Um, and she taught me the basics, taught me how to squat, taught me how to do you know, some rudimentary things so that I wouldn't hurt myself. And then the, at the, I think it was the first or second session, she actually had me do a CrossFit workout and it was Cindy. And I didn't even do real Cindy. I just did 10 rounds for time. Mm -hmm. And this isn't even in a CrossFit box again. This is just a, a fitness studio where they were re teaching CrossFit. And it almost killed me. And I went, okay, this is real. This is the, the way I should be training. I've been doing this wrong my whole life up to this point. And I was hooked. I, uh, there wasn't a whole lot of media back then to absorb on CrossFit, but I was online looking for workouts, looking for uh, movement demos, anything I can find. I was all in because I had never pushed myself in the gym like that. And I just had this realization that, man, I got to make up for some lost time because I found it when I was 33. Wish I would have found it a lot earlier, but it, it, from that point on, it changed my life and I've been doing it ever since. And then that ultimately uh, led me to uh, the media side of things. You were, you were doing CrossFit for a few years until you ventured or, you, you know, you became, as I call it, the voice of CrossFit in, in 2012. So you, you're a born journalist. You study journalism, broadcasting journalism. 
Um, so this has always been your passion. Obviously, you said you you enjoyed sport always, but but the broadcasting and the journalism, where did that start? I mean, you studied that, um, and yeah. this is always what you wanted to do, obviously. I mean, I wasn't always what I wanted to do, but it but it became what I wanted to do. I have, I always loved sports growing up, and I I actually went to college uh, as a film major because I wanted to do stuff behind the camera. I love movies. Oh, yeah. I, I wanted to tell stories, and then I got there and I went to San Francisco State University. And I got there and I kind of realized after being in the department and around some of the people for a few days that this clearly was not going to be for me. Uh, and I still wanted to do something behind the camera, and I was thinking, okay. I, maybe I can do something in sports. Maybe it's, um, you know, shooting video for the National Football League or, or a major league sport, something like that. And at the time in San Francisco State, they had a sports casting class. So I said, cool, I will go do that. Uh, and I switched my major to broadcasting and electronic communication arts, uh, signed up for the sports casting class, got in there. And again, with the, with the intent that I was going to be behind the camera. And the cool thing about that class was, is that you got to do whatever you wanted. They broadcast all their own sports. They were San Francisco state is a smaller college. So they don't have a, a big TV deal or anything. So all the sports that we did, we broadcast on our own. And at the time this shows how old I am. It was public access television. This is before you could stream stuff on the internet. Uh, so we did it all on public access TV. And I kind of fell into something in front of the camera because they wanted you to try everything. So I did some stuff in front of the camera and the professor came to me and said, you know, you're pretty good at this. You should you know, look into that. And I said, okay, I'll, I'll do more of it. And just got an opportunity to do more and more and really started to, to like it. And then that's when it, I realized, okay, this is something I want to do and uh, got into some local television work at a, at a, at a college, went to a small town here in the United States in, in the Northwest uh, in the state of Montana, Kalispell, Montana, and started my career there uh, as a, as the, the sports anchor for their local newscast. And then I moved to Florida uh, and I worked in Tallahassee for a couple of years there doing the same job. Then I, were, I moved over to Jacksonville and that was really sort of my entry into the, into bigger things. Cause, mm. uh, they have a, they have a national football league team. They have some you know big college sports there as they did in Tallahassee as well, but a lot of, a lot of big sports in Jacksonville. So did that. And then got let go from the station in 2008, no, 2009. Yeah. 2009. Mm. Um, and got into PR and marketing. Oh, cause I was kind of, kind of done with the, the, broadcasting side of it, things I was sort of fed up with the way the business was moved back home to California through a weird confluence of events. And then that's how I eventually uh, got into CrossFit again. And I had always wanted to get back into cross uh, into sorry into broadcasting and CrossFit provided me that opportunity and I jumped at it. You you also um, did radio for a bit. You went from I did I was yeah. radio. Yeah, I did I had it, when, when was this 2007? Was it 2007? I think it was 2007. There was a, a sports radio station that started in Jacksonville, Florida, and they threw a lot of money at a lot of people. And I knew going in that, that this was probably going to be a limited thing uh, because I was, it, it was a big lesson in my career that you cannot, you really can't serve two masters and make them both happy. I was trying to do TV and trying to do radio at the same time. And one would TV would also would always in, end up interfering with radio. And sometimes I couldn't make it and it just, it didn't work out. Uh, but it was a great experience. It really was. I, I did it for about, I don't know, maybe five months at the most. Oh, so it wasn't that yeah, long. It wasn't, it wasn't a ton. So it was pretty short. Mm -hmm. And, and how did that end? Was it just a natural way of, okay, moving back uh, into television or? It ended because I think that they, they were paying me, you know, they were paying me a, a way too much money for what I was doing. Oh, I that's really a good problem didn't. To have. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was absolutely a good problem to have for a little while. Um, they, 
I don't th- I didn't really fit with what they wanted to do. It, it wasn't, yeah, it just didn't work out. And, and I think they were getting a little annoyed with me not being able, and I told them right off the bat, I said, I'm not going to, I'm going to miss some things because I have TV obligations. Mm. And they said they were okay with that, but it became pretty clear that they weren't. And uh, yeah, it just, it was a good experience. I'm glad I got a, a chance to do it, but it just, yeah, it just didn't work out. So uh, CrossFitters and, and the CrossFit community abroad, I'm not talking about the States, maybe the, the people in the States know a bit better, but you don't just broadcast CrossFit, on a, uh, even though we, you know, we know you as, as our CrossFit voice. Tell us about the other work that you do, because this is more a freelance thing. Am I right? Yes. After 2018, when they let all of us go, I was looking to do some as much as I possibly could looking to stay in the CrossFit space. And, you know, Tommy and I managed to do that, but then also to looking to do other stuff because I didn't know, you know, how much work I was going to get uh, in just the CrossFit space to, to pay the bills. And I was able to kind of get into some uh, climbing. So there's USA climbing here in the United States that has, uh, you know, competitions and around the world and, uh, does three different disciplines and they broadcast on ESPN. And one of the producers who was working on those shows had worked with me doing some CrossFit stuff and reached out to me in uh, December of 2018 and asked if I'd want to be involved. And I said, okay, yeah, great. I'll do whatever. And that's how I got into that. So every now and then I'll do some stuff for USA climbing um, for some of the competitions that they have on, on ESPN for their, for their national competitions. They were in the Olympics. They had the Olympics and uh, they had someone else do that, but it's yeah, it's a lot of fun. It's cool. It's fun doing uh, other sports because uh, it, it you, you see the similarities between this and CrossFit, and then you also see the differences. And it's it's just good, I think, to have a multitude of skills. My my mentor in radio when I just started in radio eight nine years ago, she said that to do to be a freelance um, producer or presenter, you need to have balls of steel and going from having, having, you know, a a solid job that you, you know, with a solid income going up to 2018 and then being freelance, do you have experience being freelance? What was that change over for you still staying in, in, in the CrossFit world, Mm -hmm. you know, um, um, voicing it and so on. How has that changed for you? I didn't have experience in the freelance world. I had, Oh, I guess I had a little bit. So when I got, when I moved back home to California, after I, I left my station in Jacksonville and was in PR and marketing, I still did some, some things here and there. A couple things. Um, I did like uh, for a, a sports network here in, in Northern California, I covered some major league baseball, covered some college football. It was fun. It was cool to keep a, a toe into it, but I never, never did it seriously. It was just sort of a side thing. So after 2018 happened, when they, when they fired the, the media department, I really, I was, I was apprehensive about doing it because I had always worked for someone else. Mm. And I, I have to give, there's the two people who are most responsible for me staying in that space are Tommy Marquez and my wife. They, Tommy, because of the podcast, really wanting to do that. And then my wife saying that she didn't want me to go just get some job that I was going to be miserable at. She said, take some time. We're okay right now. Take some time. See if you can build up your freelance stuff. And it, I was lucky because I had a lot of good contacts with Rogue Fitness. They wanted to use me, the, the people I knew who helped me get into USA Climbing. And just the contacts that I had made through CrossFit provided me an opportunity to work in some other areas. So that was good. I, I think you know, 20 years earlier, it would have been a lot harder because I just would not have had you know, the experience or the contacts that I have now. And I think that, you, as you know, that's, it's really in, in the broadcasting business. It's just who you know and the relationships you Absolutely. have. And that often leads yeah. to other things. So I was lucky to have that. Yeah. 
So um, I want to ask you about your, your friendship and relationship and partnership with, with Tommy Marquez. Mm-hmm. Um, you both, you know, you, you have your, your podcast, um, Talking Lead Fitness. You guys both work, work for, um, for HQ um, Media. Tell us about that friendship and, and working with somebody, you know, that you can just bounce off with. And, and your, your energy is, is just so, you know, you, you guys mm-hmm. just have there's something between you. Yeah, thanks. We, uh, Tommy's a, uh, he is a, a great friend, a great coworker. And even though he is younger than me, someone I really look up to, he has such an ability to absorb information and retain it. He's very good at, uh, at researching things, at knowing the history of things, at being able to pull on random stats whenever, whenever he can. I, you know, I usually have to have a ton of notes in front of me and, and really write stuff down to retain it. But Tommy just has this knack for remembering things. And our relationship just built at CrossFit working together. And Tommy started behind the scenes as a production assistant. And I remember Charlie Doobie, who was the producer there at CrossFit that I worked with very closely producing content. He was sort of the main guy driving that ship. He and I always looked at Tommy and thought he would be great to put on camera because all of his knowledge and the fact that he knew how the job worked. And we, you know, we eventually got him up there and he did really well. And when you're when you spend that much time with someone in a broadcast setting where whether it's on the set or just behind the scenes talking about ideas and I'd throw Pat Sherwood in this uh, category as well you develop a chemistry and I think that's Tommy and I just naturally had that we understand how kind of what of our roles are on the show uh, and, and that helps us keep the flow going that, that helps us get information out there that's I think easily digestible for people and I think it, it maintains a good dynamic. I try to play more of the host and sort of the lack of a better term, the straight man role where Tommy is the, the, the analyst and uh, tells more stories. I'm just sort of keeping things on the track and I'll offer, you know, we both offer thoughts on things, but I'm really lucky that I, you know, I had that relationship with him, especially after 2018, because Tommy had always been p- pushing a, a podcast, always wanted to do one. And we just never were able to do it when we were working for CrossFit. And then when we got let go, he, he, you know, he was really convinced me that this is something we should do. And I said, okay, let, let's give it a try. Let's just see. And I don't think either one of us entered into it thinking that it would be a long-term thing. We were just trying to stay relevant in the space until something got picked up, but it's been a blast working with him. I mean, he is, he, he is the best in the world at what he does. Absolutely. You mentioned Pat Sherwood's name and we, we miss him. You know, he was always yeah. such a joy. Um, is his love for watching other people suffer. He continues to say that I, I laughed every time because he really made a point of, of it, for, you know, letting us understand that that's really what it, you know, what he does. So we miss him. Hopefully he can come back and, you know, yeah. give his pearls of wisdom. So talk to us about, about your podcast. I mean, pod, podcast, here's mine. I mean, I started this way back in, in 2017, um, break for a bit, but I mean, they're just popping up everywhere. And there's um, so many um, podcasts available now in, in different genres, but specifically in, in the space. So you said you guys started to try and stay relevant. Obviously, you're both well-known names. So talk, talk to us about the podcast, what you guys do, if, if you know, if you have people that's watching or listening to this that, that hasn't listened to it or watched it before. Tommy and I tried to find a way that we could continue to inform people about the sport and keep people updated, essentially do everything that we were doing on the update show in just a different, um, in, a, in a different venue. And we toyed with the idea of trying to start another uh, video studio show. We actually did it for a little while. Uh, it was very short-lived just because of the amount of resources and, and money that it takes to do something like that at the level that we wanted to do it. We could have just set up a camera and just sat there and talked. And you know that would have been okay. But we wanted to do something that was at or near the level of what we were doing 
at CrossFit. And it just, at that time, wasn't going to be sustainable. We were doing the podcast as well, and it just seemed for us an easy way to continue what we were doing, but just in a different media. And we were lucky that we had, we kind of already had a following going into that. So it was just a matter of transferring our audience from one place to the other. And essentially what we wanted to do was let's do what we do on the update show covering the sport, but in a longer form. So we can sit here, we can have discussions on things. We can bring in guests. We can you know, do a longer form, deeper dive into things than we could um, on the update show and, you know, see what happens. And it, we, I was shocked at you know, how, how quickly, like it's, it took, it took us about six months before we really kind of started got off to get off the ground, but people were paying attention right off the bat. And we, I think we were just, we were at the right place in the right time. And, you know, timing is everything. There was, there was this huge void that had been left by Greg wiping out the entire media team. And we filled that. And I think since we had the, the following, we were able to, to move that over pretty easily, but you know, had we just been, had we gone and tried to do something else and, and try to get into a different space, I don't think it would have gone as well. Uh, but it was just sort of a natural fit. And, uh, it was an easy way for us to continue to do what we wanted to do at a level that was easily sustainable. That was the main thing. We didn't want to sacrifice quality. Uh, we're really, we really want to make sure that we're putting out a good, a good product. Uh, and the video part just wasn't going to allow us to do that. And the, the podcast made sense. And, and that's what we've been doing since, uh, what was it? J January of 2019. We've been doing it. So. Yeah. Uh, Post-production, because obviously you were talking about the video and I mean, if, if you don't mm -hmm. have, experience with with pre-production post-production with editing i mean it's it's quite a headache but audio audio wise with the podcast who does the post-production did you you know did you grab a, a program from the internet do you have somebody that does the post-production yeah, for you i did we just learned how to do it ourselves we we you tommy did some he reached out to some people who had a podcast asked them what they were using and we kind of just copied what they were doing for a while uh we had no idea what equipment we would need we sort of borrowed some from some uh, some people that we knew and and co and cobbled something together for our first couple episodes and then we figured out what we needed and we invested in some equipment that wasn't too expensive but that allowed us to do uh, uh more things and do a better job at it but yeah we just kind of do it ourselves I, I do a lot of the video editing and and uh a lot of the audio editing and tommy focuses more on dealing with sponsors because he had tommy has a lot of great relationships with people in the space more so than i do uh, and that has allowed us to to get some sponsors, and he he manages that. And then we're uh, we're yeah, we just kind of kind of play it by ear. But that's the way it is sort of shook out now over the over the uh, process of this thing. Is I'm the editing guy. I post the the content. Tommy handles social media and dealing with sponsors. And we are kind of getting to the point where we might need to start bringing in some other people. We are we have been flirting with that idea because at some point you you, know, you don't want to take focus away from what your main thing is in order to do something that someone else could do. And it, it, it becomes a full-time job, um, something like a podcast. Um, today, uh, I, I, it took me an hour and a half just posting on different platforms of different projects that I'm busy with, you know, the podcast and, 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 and I realized after a while, bloody hell, you're going to have to get somebody in to, to, try, to help you with this. It just takes too much time, um, you know, especially if you wanted to grow, you know, and, and if, it, you know, it, it reaches more people, you know, you right. have more demand and so on. I want to go back to 2018. Um, the media team of HQ got let go. It, it's, it's, it was such a strange time also leading into, you know, regionals ending. It was a lot of change. And the media, the, the focus was on the media for a bit that everybody got let go, but then it kind of, you know, people just went on and CrossFit just went on. Tell us about that time and the change that it made 
in the media space of CrossFit. We know um, Buttery Bros, for example, I mean, mm -hmm. they did amazing things, you know, um, after leaving HQ, yourself, Tommy Marquez. Do you think the space would have looked like it does look at the moment without that big shock and that big change? Uh, yeah, that's a good question. I don't think it would. I, I think that uh, we would still probably be doing what we were doing. I think you will still, you would still have some other players out there. You know, morning chalk up has, has arisen as a, as a place where people go for information on not just the sport, but also what's going on in the community. They do a great job. There are some other you know, YouTubers out there that, have, that will, would have continued to do some stuff. But uh, when, when Greg pulled the plug and the, they thought that there would be the, the other, the outside media sources that were there would just pick this thing up and run with it. And it wasn't mature enough at that point to do it. I think it is a little more now, um, but it wasn't at the time. And I, and I think had that not had happened, we, we would not have, I guess, diversity is the right word, the diversity that we have now in the space, at least at the level that we have it. And, you know, you mentioned the Buttery Bros and Mars and Hebrew and what they're doing. Uh, they were able to take their following and just, you know, move it over to, to their platform. Tommy and I did the same thing. And I think that is sort of cleared the way to make uh, for other people to sort of rise as well. I think you know, morning, I mentioned morning chalk up and some of the other YouTubers and podcasts that are out there. The spaces the, the media space and the media environment is a lot more mature now than it was in 2018 and probably more able to uh, serve the community better than it was uh, a couple of years back. The, the biggest players in the media scene, and I'm, I'm, I'm generalizing here is, is in, it's in the States, you know, the, your biggest YouTubers, um, I'm not talking about Team Ricky because he's obviously doing very well for himself, right. but the majority of the players are, are within the States. Your personal opinion, um, if you were in charge back at HQ or just advice for anybody, you know, across the globe wanting to break through into the space of covering CrossFit, you know, what would it be? Uh, I think you're right about that. And I think that was something that we were very aware of, even when we were working at, uh, at CrossFit, we had a goal of going into 2018 and beyond actually of making the, making uh, our media team more international because, you know, it's more that it's very easy for us here in the United States to get very you know, us centric. And we understood that. And if you look at some of the things that we're doing now with uh, the media that we're producing for CrossFit through Hamilton road productions, they're doing that, uh, that, that segment called um, the, uh, the chipper where they have uh, people from around the world sort of do a story. That's an, that's an idea that a guy by the name of Irvin Anfoso brought in. He's someone I used to work with at HQ. We brought him back. He's, that was, that's great. It's a great way to do it. But as far as people who are you know, looking to break in, I think the most important thing to keep in mind is find, you got to find an area that's not being talked about or served. So if there's, you know, just a European uh, centric sort of uh, show that you could do that just covers CrossFit in Europe or CrossFit in Africa or CrossFit in Asia, that is an area that doesn't really have someone exclusively dealing with it right now. Uh, if you're, you know, if you just think that you're going to do a, a podcast where you know, that looks like all the other ones or media content that looks like everybody else, it's going to be hard for you to break through. You have to find, I guess, an angle mm -hmm. to get in to where that, that's, that's, uh, that's not already being taken care of. And it's tough right now, because like you said, there's so many out there, but I think that if you're, you know, if you're looking to break in, just start doing it, start putting your stuff out there. Uh, if you're interested in doing video stuff, you know, I CrossFit and, and the production companies they work with are always looking for people. If you have stuff on video 
that you can show people, that's a huge help. I'll have people reach out to me and say, I really would love to get involved, love to help. And the first thing I'm going to ask them is, you know, what's your experience and do you have anything we can look at? And that's the main thing. Just get some, it doesn't, especially nowadays, it doesn't have to look great. It doesn't have to have, you know, big production value. They, we just want to see how you look, how you sound, and are you able to tell a story? And, you know, do you have a presence on camera? And if you have all that, you can teach everything else. Uh, and I'm sure you've experienced that people who want to get into what you do, you can tell pretty quickly. Yeah, this person gets it or I'm not sure that's going to work. But for people who are looking to break in, just start doing something and just start you know, making content and getting it out there and then getting it in front of people. And that's the that's the best way to, to, uh, to get your get yourself involved. Because like I said, I think that CrossFit is looking to make this more international as they continue to build back. And they are going to be looking for people. I think the wonderful thing for me um, with, with YouTube and, and podcasts and so on is people getting the opportunity to build experience without going to a station, without going to a radio station, going to a television station. So you have the opportunity to make mistakes and learn without getting an egg on your face with 100, 200, 300,000 people hearing you, seeing you, you know, that, that's how, <laughs> that was my introduction, right. you know, it's making mistakes on air live, you know, without having that opportunity to go, oh, okay, let's, let's edit it out. And I think um, just watching YouTube, listening to the podcast, people that don't necessarily have experience in the space, they, these talents emerging, you know, people that didn't necessarily think this is what they wanted to do. But um, it's growing and it's and it's quite exciting. Um, video editors, cameramen, you know, that discovering just with an iPhone, this is actually you know what I can do with with the rest of my life. Talking about the games, so I keep on referring to you as as the voice of CrossFit because you have these these sentences that end up becoming the titles of documentaries, you know, or slogans that stick with athletes for the rest of their careers. I'll just think of one now. Um, business in the front party of the party at the back <laughs> fitness all over let's talk about that let's talk about that how do you obviously you you think of these um you know these these sayings and things prior you you have to you know you watch the leaderboard okay cool he's got the possibility of winning but what if pat valner does happen to you know put in that that space between the two of them talk to us about that i have a process i go through it's it's sort of a tradition the night before the final day I will sit down, whether it's in my hotel and this last year was at an RV because we, my wife and my son and I stayed in an RV. It was a blast. We did the camping experience at the games, but I will sit down. I will look at the leaderboard. I will figure out who has a chance to win. And then I will come up with what I want to say. And I just sit there and I start typing things out and I get rid of it. And it's something that I started, I think back in 2014 was the first time I ever did. Yeah. 2014, I think was the first time I ever actually wrote down what I, things that I wanted to say at the end. Uh, and that is really the only time that I will script anything is I feel like uh, the end needs, especially when you're crowning the fittest and, de and it, it depends kind of how the event goes, but the end needs to be sort of the, yeah. the finale. You need to provide some sort of a good call there. So I will sit down, I'll look at the leaderboard and I'll figure some things out. And, and I remember with Justin Medeiros, I was thinking, what am I going to say? And it, you know, everyone talks about his mullet and, and I, I just, I thumbed that one out on the keyboard and I went, I don't know, am I being disrespectful there? Am I not giving it, a, you know, am I being serious enough? And I ran it by Chase Ingram and I said, what do you think? Do you think that's good? He goes, he goes, you, if you don't say that, I'm going to be upset. I said, okay, well then he goes, you don't think that's, that's, uh, that's trivializing what he's doing. He's like, not at all. That's great. I said, okay. Uh, so I ended up doing it and I'll usually run them by a few people yeah. just to see what they think. But that's really the only time that I'll script stuff. Uh, most of the time, the, the, the things that I say that are outside the final event are more or less 
thought of either during the event or just kind of a natural reaction? So in, in broadcasting, especially live broadcasting, you have to have a plan A, B, and definitely a plan C. <laughs> so yeah. I have to go back to 2017. And this was the first year that TR Claire Toomey won. It was a beautiful mm -hmm. moment. And I don't know if anybody else noticed it, but you now I'm not going to be able to remember what you said. Oh, you said she comes from down under. Oh, yeah. No, I yes. know exactly so what I said. You, because you then she dropped midway, the yes. so she <laughs> Now, I can literally still remember where I was in that moment at, you know, at my house. It was in the wee hours of the morning here in South Africa. And I can specifically remember listening to what you're saying. And you stopped midway because you realized we don't actually know what's going to happen. So tell us about moments like that. Because you had yeah. this brilliant line that you were scripted out. You know, this is going to be epic. And then TR drops the kettlebells. Yeah. And it was, it was funny. Cause I, yeah, I had that thing written out and it was finally, she's going to win. And I'm, I'm, I'm looking at her and I always have a point in my mind where, okay, you got to start talking now yeah. because you got to get her across the finish line. You don't want to, you know, you don't want to bleed over into it. And so I started talking and I'm watching it. And then that thing comes down. I went, Oh no, you did not just do that. And then here comes Carl. And now it, now what was cool about it now, it's just a genuine reaction. Now we're reacting with everybody else. And it was, uh, it was, it was a fun moment, but that is a case, like you said, where I had a plan and all of a sudden we had to deviate it from it, but it, it was great because it was, it was the most exciting finish in games history. I think one, I mean, if not, that's probably the most one. And I remember how loud it was in that Coliseum and we had headphones on Tanya Wagner and I had headphones on and are usually able to hear each other through them. But we, you know, I could barely hear her in my headphones. I, I'm, I'm going nuts just like everybody else. And I think sometimes those genuine moments, uh, can be a little actually more impactful than sometimes when you script something out. And I'll go back to when, you know, Matt Fraser won that sprint. And I said, are you kidding me? What can't yeah. this guy do? That was a genuine reaction yeah. for me that was not planned whatsoever. So even though it, it went off the rails with what I wanted to say, it actually ended up working out pretty well because it was such an exciting finish. Now had that happened and Cara was not right behind her, then it's a whole different story. But because you had such a uh, such a close and exciting finish, it, it made up for the fact that I did not get to get my whole line out. <laughs> that that literally goes down as the most exciting finish that ever happened crazy. in the games. Yeah. Um, you were talking and I literally got goosebumps because, I, you know, there's been so many games. We watch all of them and all of them, I mean, granted, all of them are very exciting. Even all five times that Matt won, you know, with a landslide of points, the same with TR, but that goes down. It was just, it was so perfect that not, I don't even think a, a, a producer or a writer could, could have scripted that that no. well. So now let's go back all the way to, to fittest on earth, you know, the rich froning lion, you know, mm. the, the whole documentary came from that. Tell us about, you know, afterwards you say these things and it just, the next day or the moment after that, it just blows up, you know, people, they, it, they stick with it, you know, and that is how Justin Medeiros will be known for his rest of his career. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Rich was that one. That was that call started, the genesis of that was back in 2013, actually, when we were working on the post-production shows that we were doing for the 2013 games for ESPN. So for people who are not a, a familiar with what we do is we would take all the footage and all the broadcast stuff that we got during the games, and we would have to cut it down into, I think that year it was, I think it was 10 30 minute episodes that we had to do for ESPN. And obviously you cannot do, you know, you just can't take a live event and just slap it in yeah. there and say 30 minutes. You have to cut things out. So we'd make have to revoice, right. We'd have to recall some of the events just to make it fit. Um, and I remember we were having this, a discussion and Tony budding, who at the time was the media director. He, he was the guy who moved on and started the grid league. Uh, he was having 
and I can't remember what started, what started it, but he said, Rich Froning is the fittest man in history. And if you say that, Greg and I will back you up. You know, that we absolutely believe that that is a provable fact. And I went, oh, I'm going to file that away. So that's how that started. And that was a, that was a moment in 2014 where I got really lucky with how that all played out. Because again, he was by himself. There was no exciting race. It was very clear he was going to win. And the cadence of that, that final uh, double grace event w- worked with what I wanted to say. And I was, yeah, I was, I was, I knew that I wanted to say it, but there was part of me that's going, man, I don't know if I'm going to you know, catch some crap for this because people be like, oh, come on. He's not the, that's ridiculous. How could you say that? And then I, rem- I thought back to what Tony said. I said, no, I'm going to say this. I'm going to say it. And if people don't believe it, then that's fine. Um, and it worked out. Yeah. And that was the first time that I actually had it scripted out knowing exactly what I wanted to say. I mean, that, that was the end of his career as well, as, as an individual. Right. right. And, yeah, and I, I wanted to send him off on a, on a big, on a big moment. I but thought, saying and, and that again, in 2013 wouldn't have had the same impact. No, not at all. And I think that, you know, too, it, it was, it was just a perfect confluence of events, you know, that, you know, I don't know if that, that would have worked as well had it been him, you know, running across the finish line or had he been lunging across the finish line. It was just the way the reps were working uh, and the, and the, the cadence that he had on him that it just worked out. You know, I was very lucky to, to have that all come together. Talk to us about behind the scenes at, 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 the, at the CrossFit Games. You know, we, we hear you guys speak, you and Tommy and, and the rest of the media team, the interviews and so on. For, but for, for the listeners and the, the people that are watching that, that don't necessarily understand how media works and, you know, the preparation and the producing and so on beforehand, it's a ton of work. I mean, it takes a shitload of time and, and research and yeah. you know you're, you're almost working as just as hard as the athletes and then burning just as many calories you know doing everything behind the scenes so talk to us last year obviously 2020 complete different situation but this yeah. year kind of back to a normal crossfit games that we can kind of you know relate to and identify with yeah it was it was good to be back this year and i think uh, in the capacity that we're, we're used to seeing i remember in 2019 when we did uh, the games for rogue, you know, I did it for the, the rogue broadcast. And I looked out to where um, the the broadcast compound used to be, and it was totally empty. There was nothing out there. It used to be you know, seven or eight big broadcast trucks out there. Uh, you know, all kinds of cabling tents, you know, for the for the media to pe- media team. And I, and I, I think you're right, I don't think people understand the amount of work that goes into putting on that production. And this past year, we had half the people doing twice the work. They, and I get it. You know, they wanted to put, and they needed to cross it needed to make sure that you know, all every heat of every event was broadcast. Uh, they needed to show the community that they were committed to this, that they are, you know, we're indeed back. You know, we're not going to pull the plug on this thing again. We were back on the ascent. Uh, but it's, I mean, you, you have guys who just, you know, miles and miles of cable that they have to run. You know, the, the camera guys are out there all day in the sun, standing with that thing on their shoulder and they don't get a lot of breaks. And when they do, it's, you know, five minutes, get some water, go to the bathroom, run back, pick your camera back up. The, the guys in the, in, the, in the broadcast truck are there, you know, nonstop pretty much throughout the day with, with a couple breaks here and there. You, know, you have a post-production team that's out shooting footage for documentary stuff. You have uh, uh, the CBS team that was there to, you know, cut highlights and make graphics. And they, it, it it's a, I guess it's one of the reasons why I love it. It's, it's a lot like a team sport. You know, everybody has to do his or her job in order for them to make this thing work. Uh, t- people like me and Tommy and 
uh, the people in front of the camera tend to get most of the attention, but we tend, we're not doing the ones doing all the work without the camera person, without the producers, without the editors, you know, we can't do our jobs, but we're the ones that people see. And we have, it's meetings in the morning. Like, let's discuss how this event's going to go. There's, there's meetings between the director and the camera guys where they go out there on the field and they discuss how this all is going to flow and where the cameras are going to be and what it's going to look like. And they'll actually kind of walk through the flow of the events. It's not like, it's not, they just show up, turn on the cameras and say, all right, let's just make this happen. There's, there's months of preparation, hours of preparation that go on, go on during the week that make this what it, you know, what it is. And, and I, I have, you know, all the respect in the world for everybody who works behind the scenes. Cause they just, they bust their butts you know, for a week uh, to do this. And they do a fantastic job. And, and it's, I've been lucky that it's been more or less the same crew that I've been working with for the past 10 years. And they've, they've gotten really good at this. Are there things that we miss? Yeah. I mean, but that's just the nature of live sports, but yeah, they really do. It's uh, it's funny. I, I'll take people into the broadcast truck for then they've never been into one. Mm-hmm. And when during a live broadcast and they walk out and they're just like, that was so stressful. I go, I know there's like five different people yelling at the same time and there's a million different screens and it's uh, it's, it is uh, organized chaos. And it's, I liken it to when you're, when you're doing a live broadcast like that, there's a, there's an animated movie called Wallace and Gromit. And I think it's a curse of the were rabbit. I don't know if anybody's ever seen it, but there's this chase scene at the end where they're on this train and Gromit, the dog is like putting track down as the train is going. And that's essentially what TV is. You're like, you're laying the track as the yep. train is going. It's same thing with live broadcasting. And if you don't have that track laid down and the train gets there, it's all going to get oh. derailed. And it, we have been so close so many times to that happening. But as long as you just keep laying down that track, you know, it's in time, the people at home aren't going to know about it. And it's sometimes pulling back the, the train just with a piece of string, sometimes just saving the last minutes. So... And on a serious note, do you think CrossFit has managed to rebuild the trust that was lost after 2018 regarding the media, canceling, deleting the Instagram page, the Facebook page, letting go all of their favorite people? Like nobody is irreplaceable. We all know that. But getting rid of a complete team, have they managed to rebuild their trust? I think they are still in the process of it, but I think they're doing a pretty good job. And I think the broadcast at the games went a long way towards helping that. Um, and I think the fact that it started with the open announcements. And I think one of the problems that, that prevented them maybe from fully doing that this year was beyond their control. And that was what was going on with COVID. They would have loved to take the open announcements back out to the affiliates, showing people that this is, you know, we're back doing what you know, we, we've done in the past, doing what you're, you've come to Get, be used to and enjoy. But they tried to do the best they could with the live announcements uh, here in California with the, uh, with the big name athletes. Um, I think they're still in the process of it, though. You know, they, they hired essentially the same people that were doing the stuff uh, in 2018 before they got let go to do their studio stuff this year. I was part of that. Tommy was a part of that. The whole production crew that is now just working for a different entity that CrossFit hired, they're still involved. Um, but this is going to take time. It, it, I think there were a lot of people after 2018 and then what happened with the open in, I think, 2019 and then 2020 that just sort of tuned out. Mm-hmm. And it's hard nowadays with so many things fighting for your attention to win them back. But the fact that they, they had an increase in open registration, I think is a good thing. I hope that will continue to, to, uh, to increase. And that is again, with COVID that kept a lot of people from getting into gyms and doing the open the way they want it. Fingers crossed this next season, we are more or less 
you know, have that in the rearview mirror and we're able to get back to full speed. But I just think it's more, it's, I think it's more of a process. And I think COVID had a lot to do with that. And I think the fact that maybe, um, maybe people underestimated, and I don't think damage is the right word, but the, the amount of, uh, and maybe just trust, the amount of trust that was lost over the past couple of years was going to be harder than just sort of saying, hey, we're back and uh, doing some open announcements. It's going to take a little time, but I definitely think that they are on the right track. What part of that rebuilding the trust um, has to do with the change of ownership? Oh, I think all of it does. You know, I think, I mean, I, I think that had, you know, had nothing changed. Um, I don't even know if we have CrossFit right now. I don't even know if we have the games right now. I think uh, Eric is very, and his team are very uh, focused on building this thing back to where it was and beyond. And, and I think that the, what I like to tell the people is that the, the boat was sinking. It had struck an iceberg. It was on fire and pirates had you know, taken over. Well, all that is now like the pirates have been repelled. The fire is out. The leak has been patched. We're back on track. We just now have to get to port. This is going to take a lot longer than, than we thought. There was a lot of damage that was done. Uh, you know, just because of all the stuff that happened with Greg and the, you know, affiliates leaving that trust needed to be rebuilt. And I think that they have been focused a lot. Uh, and I mean, Eric and his team on that aspect of it, as they should be, you know, without the affiliates and without uh, people going into those affiliates, we don't have a sport. We have nothing. You got to solidify that. I think they've done a very good job at doing that. Uh, I think as that sort of gets taken care of, I think this next year now, uh, for those people who are more fans of the games and want to see that, that get back to where it was, my feeling is, and I, I'm, I am just guessing here, my feeling is, is that they will focus, start to focus more on that because they knew that regardless of how many resources and how much time they dedicated to building up the games, that COVID was going to throw a wall in front of them that they just could not get past. They were not going to be able to hold as many live events as they wanted to. That was just a fact. Once we get rid of those obstacles, I think they're really going to start focusing on, on rebuilding uh, that in the, the season and having more live events and getting it back to what we uh, were used to seeing. It's just, but again, it's just going to take some time, but I know that they are dedicated to doing it the right way. Last question on this. Do you think yes, COVID happened and, and the whole Gregman, uh, Greg Lassman situation happened? Do you think, let's take COVID out of it. Was this inevitable, this change of ownership and how it ended up? If it wasn't for COVID, you uh, think it was, it would have happened anyway. I'll say this. I, I if it wasn't for COVID, I think what, what's about, I think things were on fire. There was a slow burn going on. I think people were dissatisfied with what was going on uh, with CrossFit as far as uh, this, some of the affiliates were thinking, why am I paying this money? We have no marketing. What am I getting? What sort of resources? There was this sort of slow jumping off the train that was going on. And then Greg stomped the accelerator and threw gas on the fire. Um, and I think the, the, for those people that were, you know, at CrossFit for a long time, I think they thought that that was going to happen sooner or later. Something like that was going to happen. But then you, you, know, you throw in, then you throw in the disaster that COVID is on top of that. And I'll be honest with you, when, when everything was going down, I did not think, I was convinced that there was no way Greg was going to sell the company. There was just no way, knowing what I know about him. And luckily, cooler heads prevailed and he did. And um, I was shocked by that. And once that happened, I went, oh, okay, maybe, maybe we have a chance here. Maybe this thing's going to get back because I just think so many people were so fed up with what was going on that 
you know, it, it was, he, we were hemorrhaging affiliations. We were, hem- you know, CrossFit was hemorrhaging money and there was just, it was not going to get repaired with him at the helm. But uh, I think it would have taken a much longer to get to that point had the whole thing, you know, every, all the controversy with Greg and COVID not happened. I think that just stopped the accelerator and, and got us to a point that um, we probably would have been in in a couple of years anyway. Good changes that happened, big changes. I think from 2018, nothing in the sport has been consistent. You know, that the season mm-hmm. looks completely different. If, if you, I read an article earlier this week um, that you and Tommy, um, I'm not sure who wrote it, but it was on the morning chalk up. But you guys said if, if you were in charge of the season, what it would yeah. look like. Do you stick with mm-hmm. what you said there? And have you changed your mind? What Just tell oh. us, let's tell our listeners, what would that look like for you? Well, originally what you know, we settled on, and I really like this setup, but we settled on more of something that would look like a tournament that involved all the, all the affiliated events. So you would essentially, you'd have the open and then people would qualify out of the open to move on to round number one. And then you would compete in person in round number one. And then the top 10 from each event would move on and they'd meet up at another event. And then you'd ultimately end up with 40 people and you would have them at the games. Uh, I, I like that, but I really, you know, ideally I would sort of just reset things the way they were to the old the regional system. And I, I thought that was great. I loved it. I think people liked it. I do like what they're doing now. And I was, somewhat skeptical about how the semifinals were going to look with different programming and not having universal programming. I'm a little more soft on my stance on that. I would still, I would still prefer standardized programming because I think it makes for a beautiful test throughout the season that you can lay it out. You can say everybody took the same test and this is absolutely who the fittest person is. I think we got the right people to the games. I think the, the, uh, I think the sanctioned events or the, the semifinal events did a fantastic job of programming. I got to go to one in person at the Mid-Atlantic CrossFit Challenge, and they ran a great event with really good programming. It was a lot of fun. Uh, I like now that we are back to sort of the funnel thing where we start wide and then we start pairing the pairing the uh, the field down. And that was the confusing part about the way it was before that. There was none of that going on. And you would, you would uh, always, I shouldn't say always, often show up to a sanctioned event not knowing who ultimately was going to qualify for the games out of that when it was over because so many other things, so many other things were riding on it. And I think it was just confusing. So I, I do like what they're doing now. And I remember at the games in 20, stage one of the games in 2020, Dave Castro ran me through what he was thinking that mirrored a lot of what we have now. And I, and I was looking at it going, yeah, this makes a lot of sense. I like the fact that you can scale up. That is, that is participation increases. We can have more semifinal events. That was something that was a little tough to do in the regional format. So I like what they've added there. I like the fact that we have these local events that are able to sort of build up and, and be part of the process uh, that have, um, you know, that have a built-in following uh, like the, like Fittis and Cape Town, for example, that's a, that's a great event that's growing. They, and I'm glad that they get to show that off. Uh, so, yeah, I think that not knowing, you know, at the time when Tommy and I came up with the season, not knowing what we know now, uh, I would have liked to go back to what we thought of, but now seeing what they've come up with, I'm all on board with it. There's some things that I would tweak, uh, nothing's ever going to be, you're never going to agree with everything. And I think the standardized programming is the one thing that I would like to see change. But overall, I thought it went great this year. And I'm excited for next year when we have, you know, I know Fittis in Cape Town was, was in person. It was one of the few, but as that grows and as, as we're able to, you know, get more coverage of that. And then the events in Europe, like, I, I think we're going to get to a place that's a lot of fun. Uh, and, and what I loved about the regional thing is that it would be, you know, it was like four weeks 
and you just show up and you'd watch three competitions and we would have studio coverage that brought it all together. And I think that's one thing that was maybe missing this year to sort of bring it all together. And maybe we have that again next year, but I do like the season format and I like the fact that they could scale it up and hopefully we will see more semifinal events in the future. Cause that means more people are participating in the open. I think with the change that they made it back in 2019 or the end of, of regionals is open it up to an international market and yes, people ended up, the gazillion people that ended up going to the games in 2019, um, on, for me personally, I did not think that that was the, the right way to go because people spend thousands and thousands of dollars for one workout. Um, yeah. But I mean, in, in saying that, just this, the rest of the season, season the, the sanctional events, people, big names coming to South Africa, you know, these athletes competing against the, the fittest in the world, seeing this is actually how I pay up. Um, Going into in, into next season, what is your your thoughts on 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 the Asia CrossFit um, journey? What's happening there? Because I'm very excited what's happening there. I think as soon as Asia really catches on to to CrossFit, yeah. I'm talking China specifically. Mm -hmm. They have uh, quite a few boxes there. You have the Asia um, Championships, but what what are your thoughts on on, on that market? I think you're exactly right. It's just going to take time. Uh, it's growing there. Uh, they are essentially where I think we were in North America in probably 2007 when the thing first started. It's just going to take time. And as more people get into boxes and as you know, more people uh, understand what it takes to be a high-level athlete, those people will emerge. And that, that will get bigger. And I like the fact that they have a semifinal event over there. I'm looking forward to get that, that one in person, I think, is going to be great because it exposes more people to the sport. Uh, so yeah, I think that it's, it's a, it's a great thing to grow over there. Um, and from what I've heard, I've never been there for an event. Tommy has been there to, uh, to a couple. He, he can't say enough about how good the community is, how, how it's growing. And you're right. There are some good, some, some good athletes over there and it's just going to take time. They just have a lot of catching up to do. Uh, they've just got a late start, but you know, the, the more exposure we can bring to the world, the better. And I think, you know, these off season events too, that are licensed by CrossFit will help do that. Uh, if you, you know, if they, I'm not sure they have one in Asia. I could be, I could be wrong about that, but as that grows and more people get exposed to the sport, more people will get involved. Uh, and I think that's why it's important to get these events back live in person with good media coverage, because that exposes more and more people to it. You know, there are so many people here uh, in North America who got involved because they maybe saw it on ESPN or, you know, they, their friend worked out of the box and told them about it. So it's just going to take time, but yeah, I really look forward to it because one thing I, and I think this is the, the appeal about the Olympics is when you have the whole world involved in something and you have not only the whole world involved, but contenders from every part of the world, it makes it so cool. And we're starting to see that more and more now in the individual competition. You just look at the leaderboards and you see all the flags in the top 10 there from all the different nations. Amazing. You know, that's, that's fantastic. I mean, no American woman has won the CrossFit Games since what, 2010, I think. So that just shows you how international the women's field is. It's a little different on the men's side, but that's, you know, we had two Canadians on the, uh, on the uh, podium. We had Guima Heros from Brazil was in the top 10. Like that's, that's another market that that stuff is huge. And, and I think that uh, as that continues, it's really going to, it's really going to uh, peak the international interest. Cause that is so important. You know, it, it really is like markets like uh, China, and Brazil are so important to the future of CrossFit because they are, uh, they're emerging and there's so much potential for growth there. I think we should all be scared for the moment that China catches on. 
and oh, then yeah. decide that they want to go. Because <laughs> I was I was in China and beginning of 2020, I actually moved there. Um, it's a very long story, um, but because of COVID, I had to come home. But I spoke to someone while I was there regarding the CrossFit and and, and the gym culture, and apparently it's 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 brand new. They just it's mm. it's just not something that. Yeah that they're caught onto and, and gyms pop up, mushroom up, but they close down just as quickly. Um, yeah. So I think if, if, we, if, if you have a bunch of Chinese athletes that ne- don't necessarily make it to the Olympics in weightlifting or don't make it to the Olympics in, in, in gymnastics and they fall into a cross box, we should all be genuinely scared. I think we are in for a shakeup over the next five years. It's going to be interesting to see, you know, you, you've seen it across South America and how those athletes have really gotten serious. You spoke about Guy. I mean, he's, he's one of the big names now, but there's so many other athletes that also um, come on over. For for you, Sean, I mean, you're, you've, you've been doing CrossFit and broadcasting this for, for so long. The future, this year, the rest of this year, the off-season, what does that look like for a broadcaster in, in, in CrossFit, the <laughs> off-season? <laughs> I, I'm really excited about what's coming up because you have the Rogue Invitational that is going to be a fantastic event. I mean, Rogue never does anything Small. that's not great. Uh, and they're, what I love about what they're doing is they're not only incorporating CrossFit, but they're going to have strongman, they're going to have weightlifting, they're bringing basically any sport that uses a barbell under one roof or in one field in this case. And having and just bringing everybody together and enjoying it. And I think if you're a CrossFit fan who doesn't watch Strongman, you should. It's really cool to, to see what these men and women can do, the, the the weights that they can lift and the feats of strength that they perform. That'll be cool to have on display. Uh, Dubai, the Dubai CrossFit Championship is coming up. That is a huge event. Uh, we have you know Wadapalooza. There's a lot of licensed teenage events that are happening. A lot of licensed Masters events that are taking place. There's a, there's, it's going to be great. Now, from a broadcaster standpoint, I'm hoping to be involved in as much as I possibly can because I just love doing this. Uh, but what, what, I, what I love is that it used to be, you know, after the games, it was sort of just radio silence until the Open. Well, now we're going to have uh, these, I guess, three huge events, and I'm talking about Rogue, Dubai, and Wadapalooza, that will get us through to the Open. And if you're a fan of the sport, you're going to get to watch some pretty high-level competition heading into the Open. Uh, so it's exciting for me that that we're going to have stuff to talk about, not only on my podcast or with that, that I do with Tommy, but that we might have an opportunity to. Oh, there's you know there's one going on in uh, in Dubai or United Arab UAE with uh, the Mayhem Desert Heat thing. Yes, like that's happening. Yeah. There's so much great stuff going on, and I think they're going to do a stream for that. So for me, it's great because I get I love. I'd love, I just love doing this, and any opportunity I have to do it, I, I want to, and I, I just feel so blessed and lucky to be able to do it. Um, but if someone else does it, that's great too. At least we'll be able to watch it. And I think that you're going to see broadcast quality start to increase here uh, with some of these off-season events. And the community should be really excited because it used to be in the past, some of these uh, sanctioned events that would happen or these off-season events, I should say, uh, the on-site experience was fantastic. But then for people around the world who weren't able to attend, watching it wasn't the most fun. I think that's going to change. And I think people should be really excited about what's coming up. Um, and I, I think that the off season to me is super intriguing because there's so much possibility now for, for all these different events. I think, the, I think the masters, the legends championship that's taking place here, uh, here in California, they're going to have a live stream that's you know, produced by the same people who did the game. So there's going to be an opportunity for people to watch good competition at a, a, a very high level broadcast. And I'm excited about that. I feel like a kid at Christmas because we had such a drought, you know, with, mm-hmm. with 2020 and, and COVID just, you know, messed everything up and, and we weren't able to watch CrossFit. 
I rewatched the movies and the documentaries and YouTube videos like mm. three, four, five times. But yeah. yeah, I think it's 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 exciting times that that's coming up. And I think what you mentioned is the quality of the broadcasting is is also very important. It's not you know if it's not fun to watch, you're not going to watch it. And I want to um, congratulate CrossFit on this year's games broadcast because. Comparing to 2019, not a single teenage division, not a single master's division was broadcast. So with this year was just an absolute joy. I was, I did not sleep for five days. That's all I watched. <laughs> Literally three o'clock in the morning, I would still sit in my bed with my computer watching it because it was just such a fun experience. And um, I think that you were right. You know, they, they're building the trust again. They, they're getting the community to, you know, to believe in, in, in what they stand for and yeah, the, what, what you guys are doing. Sean, for anybody that um, wants to follow you on Instagram that doesn't do that yet or want to, that they want to listen to your podcast. I mean, the, the, you know, what you and Tommy do, you've got a lot of things going on on social media. Where can they follow you? They can follow me on Instagram. I don't post a ton. I'm trying to get better at it. It's uh, at swoodland53. Uh, um, you Is can that your age? No, not yet. Creeping close, but not yet. Yeah, no, yeah. still in the 40s. Uh, but that is yeah. that is down the road a little bit. Um, no, uh, it was my football number, so that's that's why I, I chose okay. it. Um uh then you we are my part the podcast, pardon me, is at Talking Elite Fitness. Uh you can find us on um uh Apple Podcasts, Google Play, we're on Spotify. Uh we also have a YouTube channel that we post stuff every now and then as well. I'm on Facebook you know, friend me, I, you know, I, I usually accept, accept all the friend requests as, that I can, as long as it's, you know, someone I, who has like some sort of connection to the CrossFit space. I'm on Twitter. Don't use that a lot either. Uh, same, same handle S Woodland 53, but yeah, that's, that's where I am. For you personally, uh, and, and in your work and your podcast, what exciting things can your listeners and your watchers and your followers expect in the next few weeks? Well, Tommy and I are going to continue to put out uh, podcasts. We have some stuff, you know, working that we're, we're in the exploratory phases right now of seeing like, how can we get this thing? How can we make this bigger? Uh, but we'll always have, we're always gonna have a weekly episode. We have some, some good guests that we're working on. We'll always have, uh, you know, some of the athletes, but we also get people from outside the space who just might have a foot in the, uh, in the CrossFit space. We, we were able to talk to, um, I don't know if people watch the Mandalorian there on Disney plus if any Mandalorian fans, uh, we had one of the actresses from there came on who, uh, does some fitness stuff on our YouTube channel. So that was a lot of fun. So we try to, we try to do, you know, some fun, some stuff that's focused on the sport, but we also try to have a little fun with pop culture and things like that. Uh, you know, we'll have, let's see, we're, we're going to have Annie Thor's daughter on here. Hopefully soon. We're trying to wrangle down Tia, wrangle up Tia Toomey. She's kind of hard to get a hold of because she's so yeah, busy. We're all trying. We're trying to, yeah. We're trying to get Justin Medeiros, but we've, yeah. you know, we've had, we've had Fakowski, we've had Vellner. Uh, we just released an episode today with Kristen Holta. She was a great conversation, had a really fun interview with Scott Panchik. If you haven't listened to, uh, to that one, that was a couple of weeks ago. He was, that was a great interview with Scott. He was really, uh, reflective and really just, uh, really genuine. I was, uh, I was really impressed uh, talking to him, but yeah, we'll continue to do that. We'll put some content out on YouTube and, you know, as these events happen, we're going to hopefully be involved either on site with those uh, in some capacity, but we'll definitely give you guys uh, a good preview of them and, and let you know how you can watch them and then recap them afterwards. So it's going to be, it's going to be busy coming up. There's a lot of good things. And, and if you're a fan, you know, get excited because uh, there's some good things in the pipe. Thanks for listening to another episode of Just Elite. Subscribe to the YouTube channel and please, please, please leave a comment.